Saturday, January 13th. During the two-hour workshop, you'll be creating a mobile, using pre-cut shapes, and working with a variety of materials such as paper, markers, color pencils, and pigments in order to create the surface for each one of your mobile shapes. We'll learn how to intuitively combine different textures, colors, and patterns to create your own unique mobile. There's no experience necessary. The Levy Vocals Art Center is at 2012 Baltimore Avenue, OCMO. Shop handcrafted wonders from over 75 local artisans, including painting, ceramics, Christmas ornaments, leatherwork, candles, baked goods, trendy custom clothing, home decor, jewelry, and more. Created by Art Garden KC with new vendors to explore each weekend. Also enjoy the festive ambiance with live music, talented muskers, with live performances by the Kansas City Women's Chorus and many other local talents on the community stage. Open weekends from 10 till 5, now until Christmas, in historic City Market Square, 20 East 5th Street, CMO. For more information on these and many other events in our area, go to kkfi.org slash arts kcgo. This is Marion Ross. And Paul Michael. You're listening to 90.1 FM KKFI. Kansas City Community Radio. KKFI is supported by the Johnson County Museum Store, offering a selection of Kansas-made products, mid-century-inspired housewares, and retro toys to complete your holiday gift list. Your purchase supports the museum's efforts to share Johnson County's story and history. The Johnson County Museum Store is open Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. and is located at 8788 Metcalf Avenue in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit jocomuseum.org. The views and opinions of this program are those of its host and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of 90.1 FM, KKFI, Midcoast Radio Project, or its staff and volunteers. about it is appealing everything that traffic will allow no way could you get that happy feeling when you are stealing that extra bow there's no people like show people they smile when they are long yesterday they told you you would not go far that night you open and there you are next day on your dressing room they The makeup, the props, the audience that lifts you when you're down. The headaches, the heartaches, the backaches, the flops. The sheriff who escorts you out of town. The opening when your heart beats like a drum. The closing when the customers don't come. Before the show has started That your favorite uncle died at dawn And top of that, your partner I have parted You're broken-hearted, but you go on There's no people like show people They smile 
Well, hello and welcome to today's edition of the KKFI Arts Magazine Show. I am Michael Hook, your host. Glad to have you with us on this Monday here in Kansas City as you listen to the Arts Magazine Show right here on KKFI 90.1 FM, your community radio station right here in, in good old Kansas City. It's always nice to be here. It's nice to go out of town it's nice to be back in Kansas City. So uh, nice to be with you here on the program today. We have a couple of interesting things to tell you about. Uh, it is uh, it is winter time. Sometimes, well, this the second show uh, we'll be talking about today is is a Christmas time show. The first one I've even seen in uh, July, around the Fourth of July. It depends on where you want to go. But Zach Faust is here from the Faust Theater. He is the artistic director out there. You might remember we talked to him in the. Uh, it was earlier in the fall, and you were getting ready to. Uh, or was it summer? You were you were doing a show here, and then you were going to take it to New York City. Yeah, um, we we did the Fringe show, which was Glee. But That's I live right. in New York, so, it so more, it's not necessarily. So it was more like July. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was a bunch of July. So I didn't necessarily like. I wasn't planning to take it there. I was just like, once we were done here, I was like, okay, I'm going to go back home now, <laughs> and go up to New York. So yeah. I also have lost my voice. So if anybody so, has like recognized my voice and they're like, that doesn't sound like him. It's because I'm getting over the fact that it was gone the last couple of days. Yeah, I kid him earlier. He yells at the actors. Yeah, that's you know me. <laughs> <laughs> so was it a good run in New York? Uh, yeah. I mean, I I love New York. Are you asking me if like I took a show up there to New York? Because yeah. I didn't I didn't do that. Oh, okay. No, no, no. I just did it here. here oh, in you just City. did it here. Yeah, okay. yeah. And then I because I live in New York. So See, that some, I just, somebody did that. Yes. I just can't recall who. It, and it did happen at the Arts Asylum, too, which oh. is like that's where I think it had yeah, one of. Like one of the couple of productions, I think it was um, what is it, the Prejudice, Pride and Prejudice? Oh, and the, that oh, one. they reversed they, uh, it. Yeah, 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 Prejudice and Pride. That's right. And then they took it up to New York. I, I gotcha. was not involved in that production, but it did happen at the Arts Asylum. Yeah. Well, well good, good. Would, yeah. How would you feel about doing a show in New York? Uh, would the critics scare you away? All those, no, they're no. tough critics. I they are. All the time. No, I actually, I am working on two projects right now. Currently, that are slated to happen in New York within the next couple of years, which I'm really excited about. So, you know, it's just kind of one of those things. I'm relatively qualified for the jobs I get hired for. So, you know, uh, barring critics, I, you know, whatever. It is kind of one of those feelings where I'm like, eh, I'm good at what I can do. And sure. if critics like it, that's fine. If they don't, whatever, you know. <laughs> it's not my money that I have to be spending that's on true. it. That's so. <laughs> true. That's very true. Well, Zach is is back here now, and yeah. he's doing a show at the uh, at the Arts Asylum, located again at eight twenty four East Meyer Boulevard, and he is doing Cabaret, yeah. the musical. Of course, Cabaret has always been a musical, as far yeah. as I know. Yes, it has. Well, uh, we we also do things like cabarets, where you know you just get a bunch of people to sing together. So we've had to kind of advertise it a certain way, where we're like, this is the musical cabaret, versus like what we do small offshoots elsewhere to be like we're, we're just doing a little like themed cabaret you know 
I like the little tagline you put on the on. Uh, um, it was one of the websites. Uh, yeah. And it was, uh, you know, what happens at the Kit Kat Club stays at the Kit Kat Club. Yeah, it's that. We've also had Join the Party, um, which, I mean, if you know the show, that, you know, it kind of goes hand in hand. It's just, you know, a little clever wordplay. People think of it as just a musical, but if you've seen it, and I've seen it a number of times, the film, various stage adaptations mm -hmm. it's also a story about anti-semitism which really connects with uh with today yeah it does and it resonates especially for me because well and the thing is is i'm i'm an iraqi jew so i'm both arab and jewish and mm -hmm. so i kind of have my foot in both worlds yeah which that, is, that makes it hard for you it's it's been very hard especially when you know it, all of this is happening and you know you want uh, the freedom for one and you want the protection for others and you want you know you just you want peace and the unfortunate part of it is that the, both of your worlds don't want that or aren't going to give it so that's true this it's been a relatively cathartic experience to do this show because yes it is about anti-semitism and it's about the rise of you know of the nazi party but it's also um about you know we've kind of taken the world of these characters especially that live inside of this club and it's not looking at it as these are seedy you know underbelly they don't have anywhere else to go it's that these are people that no one wants to take a chance on they're marginalized individuals that nobody's giving chances to and the MC that these characters like this is a place where they enjoy they love being and unfortunately they are getting displaced they are getting taken out of their homes by an oppressive government and that is you know i think that part of it has also been relatively cathartic for me because you know looking at it from well it's not just about the jewish experience in this show yes there are you know there there is jewish joy and the amount of nazi ideology that you'll see in the show or iconography you you'll see the same amount of Jewish um, joy and and Jewish iconography and um, the enjoyment of all of these marginalized characters just so that way we're not just trying to push this one thing that says yeah this thing is bad it's like mm -hmm. yes but also there is joy within this too but while this is a story with that anti-semitism is a part of it, it it plays a much bigger story to the fact that so many people were affected by the Nazi party and and so many people are affected by oppressive governments today and that's really bad mm -hmm. <laughs> and so this story the, the the way that we're kind of doing the show is to go no we're all affected by it no matter who you are and you can be a person that's looking away from it you can be a person that is looking at it directly and not doing anything about it but we're all sort of culpable and the people that are the most affected by it typically are not the ones that are that have the privilege to to not do anything you know yeah. and so that's what we're looking at in this show is is that yeah the character sally bowles mm -hmm. who was played by liza minnelli in the yes. movie but but, but and a little differently than some of the stage productions, but right. but nonetheless, uh, she seemed to be, in some ways, uh, una is uh, I was going to say ignorant, but I'm I'm going to correct that and say unaware uh -huh. of some of the things that were going on, and so she ends up being very shocked and surprised. Sure. Well, and the thing, you know, that 
Sally Bowles is, and it's she's so in our production, she's played very, uh, very beautifully by um, Zoe Leper, and the way that the character is written is that she's not. I you know I would actually say that ignorance is the thing that she's probably the most like she is, um, rather than she is unaware. I think that the character is just from a text standpoint aware of the things that are going on or at least a understanding of who these people of of who Hitler is of who Aryan race is it's mm -hmm. the fact that she doesn't necessarily care because she's going to be a star so she's going to get out she is going to be all of these things why should politics concern her and that you know that's a line in the show is she's like it's just politics mm -hmm. you know like why does it have to concern us and her counterpart Cliff is like what do you mean? Like it's it affects everybody, and so when the Kit Kat Club or when the Kit Kat Club is infiltrated by Nazi characters, and she sings the final song Cabaret, she's angry at this. She's angry at the fact of like she doesn't think she can get out now. She doesn't know if you know she all of the things now that she has ignored or the things that she has tried to put away are now infiltrating the space that she has felt the safest in. And so she's watching all of her friends leave and get taken away. She's having to deal with this relationship she doesn't necessarily want. She's having to come to terms with where she's at in her life and where she wants to be but doesn't think she can go because of what has happened. And so it's just a very angry space that she comes into. And so I do think that it's one of those things that like, especially in that time period, like you just couldn't ignore it, but some people were willing to just essentially not care because mm -hmm. there were other concerns that they had about themselves. You know, Sally Bowles is a relatively, you know, and I, I use this term loosely, but she's a relatively delusional character because she just doesn't think the world, like she's, she's the star. No, nothing is like she, nothing is going to affect her. Nothing's going to touch her because she can get out. And by the end of the show, it's just kind of a, well, can she? That, that's kind of that's kind of where cabaret sure. comes from, you know. Yeah, uh, speaking with Zach Faust, uh, uh, the the director of the show and the artistic director of the Faust Theater Company, we're talking about cabaret, the musical. It's not often talked about in this way, but how could I not? <laughs> when you consider everything yeah. today and well, all and of that. That's kind of what's – I get emails, uh, DMs, text messages pretty daily about, like, how could you do something like this? Like, why are you doing this kind of show? And the first thing of it is, is like, when we chose the show, I mean, like, over a year ago that I wanted to do it, the conflict in the in the Middle East has been going on for so much longer than I've been alive, and I, and I am very aware of that. But I didn't choose the show with the understanding that this was going to happen. You know, unfortunately, once we started rehearsals and, you know, October 7th hit, it was kind of like, a, oh, the show means something completely different than it did even two weeks ago when we were going to put this on. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it was an it, 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 we've started telling it. We, you know, when I was like, I'm just so mad at the anti-Semitism in the world, like, yes, of course. And now it's a different place of like, I am mad about it, but I'm also mad about other, you know, the other things on the other side that are of happening. Course. And how do we make sure that we're telling both sides of the story, especially because I am both sides of that story? Yeah. How does now both sides of me have to come to this place of of reckoning and anger and 
and, and catharsis. It's, it's been very strange, but, um, you know, for some reason, and I don't know why every show that we've been doing since I like 2020, 2021, uh, I think it, yeah, it would be 2021 has like something in the world has been happening. So when we did Heather's like a week before we opened Heather's, um, we had that like mass shooting, it oh, like school shooting, uh -huh. and then halfway through the run, Roe v. Wade got overturned, and so it was this weird like, <laughs> yes. okay, so we're talking about children and we're talking about life and death, and Heather's is doing that, and then when we did Glee, which was you know a huge um, LGBTQIA plus show, you know like we had everything under the sun in that show in terms of just like characters and and backgrounds and genders and identities and um uh trans bills were on the chopping block this summer where you know people were they like legislators were were getting signed to be like yeah we're gonna start overturning this we're gonna start removing protection from trans kids and you know and xyz and i'm like maybe i should and now cabaret with the you know with the with the whole you know the the, the massacre that's happening and mm -hmm. so i like i i i think i maybe just need to try to produce shows that like have peace in them or like have some sort of like happy message so that way the world will like yeah. reflect that you can't control you know? <laughs> that's you know that's really out right. of your control i know i know i'm sure uh, the era where the show was uh i was in the era where the show was first uh, done mm -hmm. uh, i don't know that they necessarily they had that maybe as a side issue sure. but it becomes part of the larger issue that Kit Kat Club is like a refuge yes. from the outside world exactly and that's the way Sally thinks of it well, yes and you know the show you know it's it's written from this story you know or this this a uh, uh, collection of stories Berlin stories Christopher Isherwood uh, which was eventually turned into a play called I'm a camera and in the 60s Candor and Ebb two Jewish men angry at what had been happening to our people you know, not even 20 years before that, found this, decided to adapt it into a stage musical. And so, you know, I guess from anger becomes, you know, at least for theater people or at least Jewish theater people, anger mm -hmm. becomes a way of, of expression um, through that art form. You know, Mel Brooks is the same way where, you know, not even 20 years before the producers was made into a movie, you know, this all of this was sort of happening. So it, 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 it came from this place of anger. How do I get out my anger through this art form? And what became was Cabaret. And that's kind of how we've been doing with it now is like, how do I express my anger through this art form in a safe way? And it's this version of Cabaret, you know, like, of course, yeah therapy but <laughs> sometimes you know like once a, you know you can't always access your therapist but you can always open a book and you can always you know like make you know directorial things like at 3 a.m in the morning when you can't sleep you know that's it's, one of the things people in the arts can do yeah well whether they paint whether right. they sculpt uh whether they write music whether mm -hmm. they write dialogue they they have that ability to do that and yeah. that is kind of a catharsis for right. them I think. and i'm not saying that like we should you know <laughs> that we should i i am not saying that theater and your escapism into theater should be the only way you know like outside like you should be getting therapy like people should be doing that of course yeah. um but th it's another it's a healthy it's a healthy alternative when you can't always access you know therapy or you can't always access mental health benefits or the hope that you have mental health benefits 
because you know here in America. Um, but we, yes, it is it is a really nice way to be able to talk about things, be angry about things, be safe about those things um, for artists, yeah. Sure, speaking with Zach Faust, the director of the show and the artistic director of the Faust Theater Group, and they're, they are doing Cabaret the Musical. There is a performance tonight. They're yeah. in the middle of the run. Yeah. Uh, but there is a, and I, I guess it's a, one of those producers night. Uh, industry night, yeah. Industry night shows from uh, tonight, the 18th at 7.30 p.m. Regular performances pick up again on Thursday the 21st, mm -hmm. 7.30, Friday the 22nd, 7.30, Saturday the 23rd, 7.30 at the Arts Asylum, which is located at 824 East Meyer Boulevard, uh, right here in Kansas City. And the, uh, the website is theartsasylum.org, and that's where you want them to, uh, to go for any information. Yeah. Things like that. Yeah. Welcome, Zach, to the show. Cabaret is known also, <laughs> besides what we're talking about, for the songs, yeah. oh, the great God. music, and there are some great numbers in the show. They are beautiful tunes. Um, any, you know, I, I, one of the things that we used to advertise Cabaret, I brought in a bunch of children, like, you know, 13-year-olds, 14-year-olds, 15-year-olds. And I explained the show. I was like, do you know what Cabaret is about? I would ask them these questions. And then I would play them some of the songs. But they knew, they didn't know the show at all, but they knew the songs. Oh, they course. knew maybe this time. They knew Mein Herr. They knew Vilkomen. You know, like these are songs that have become such standards. Some of them not just in the musical theater canon, but out, you know, like it has become popular in just our society because of how influential the show is. You know, it was... I said it in my director note, but it's also, you know, it was it was a show that revolutionized the concept musical, you know, and when we think concept musical, we think something like Company, where the songs are just commenting on the plot. They're not used within, you know, the, the storytelling or they're not used as like a review. Um, Allegro did it, you know, was one of the earliest examples of a concept musical. But then we get Cabaret, which is it has, you know, they do have songs that do take place as a musical theater standard but they also do just have songs like money which are taking the, which are taking the songs outside of the context of the plot and singing about them you know and i think that it's a wildly interesting way of trying to tell a story you know sure. it, it it it's just another layer of um you know the audience is watching this show be sung and there and then you have characters singing about the exact same feelings that the audience might be having and not actually singing it within the like diegetically in the show but they're speaking it and going yeah you feel the same way don't you money makes the world go around <laughs> yeah so we're gonna sing to it about we're gonna sing about it to you that's quite appropriate yeah when, when you consider the the entirety of the story yeah the the, the refuge that was the kit clack Kit Kat Club for the for the patrons right. uh, and for but especially for the people who work there really well and that's you know one of the things that we do in the show um, we actually do talk like the, what you know yes what so many of these sorts of dictators do which is you know at least with 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 Hitler it was try to create the master race so get rid of anybody that wasn't that. But when you talk about things, even nowadays, when you have dictators, it's about money. It's about, you know, where uh, uh, where you're going to get it and who you're trying to, you know, lobby with. And the price to pay are people's lives. And so we do talk about that in the show is, 
the fact that even children, even infants are at, these are the innocent lives that you are removing because you are, you need the money. You want the money. You are being funded by outside money. And sure. that's what's so interesting about the show is like in the sixties, this thing was being, you know, was, was sung about. <laughs> and yet we're like, wow, the thing is so relevant today. So just keep leaning into it. You know, the, the famous eighties revival with, or not eighties revival, the famous nineties revival with Sam Mendes and Alan Cumming, you know, had a giant mirror on stage so the audience could just watch themselves. And so you could watch your reaction and you could watch why you were feeling a certain way or why you weren't getting up or, you know, and I think what we can do in this version, because I don't have the money for a giant mirror as much as I wish that I did, but we can go, oh, you're just watching this stuff on your phones. You're looking at this stuff on the computer or on the television screens. We're just showing it to you in the context of the fact that it was the same in the 60s as it is now. How do you feel about this? And why are you just looking at it and not saying anything why are you looking at it and and and, and just kind of scrolling away sure you know it's it's a discombobulate feeling but the show do, like we're we're leaning into it we're going why not like stand up say something to each other sure so. sure well, tell me about some of the cast uh, you have to recruit some good dancers and good oh singers for goodness. this goodness i one of the strongest cast i think i've ever had um is in this show uh, like i mentioned zoe leper incredible actress incredible talent very just standout dancer playing sally bowles tanner uh john tanner charts from um you know he came from a cruise ship and and as the MC and you know i i had never met him before i didn't know him all that well the woman playing sally talked to me and was like hey i just met this guy he's an incredible dancer you should recruit him for the MC." so i had him send a couple of videos and he just has this incredible relationship with the audience um he's so accessible he's so funny and yet as the show goes along he's trying to tell them through his vaudeville acts what the show's going to do at the very beginning he's the only character that knows what's happening by the end and he's the only character that you kind of watch perish in the end it's very sad and he's got this very moving performance um jock davidson doing Cliff Bradshaw is, um, he, he walks on stage, you immediately feel comfortable with him. And that's exactly what we need out of that character because he's the audience surrogate. He's the one that you feel for. He's the one that essentially can get out by the end, or at least you think that he can by the end. Um, but he's sort of the observer. Margo Michelson, Razor, incredible talents doing uh, uh, Fräulein Schneider, Herr Schultz, the love story. They're the heart of the show. Anytime that they're on stage, the audience just falls in love with them. And they're, I mean, like the character of Herr Schultz is Jewish and, and you realize that they cannot be together because of what's happening. And, and you, the audience roots for them so desperately to stay together. The, the MC wants them desperately to stay together, but they can't. They literally can't because of what's happening because it's going to affect her livelihood. It's going, you know, she is more concerned right now for herself and she's more concerned about how her world is and what she's been able to get through. And she finds hope in being with him and then eventually just realizes I can't, like I have to <laughs> sure. be safe. Charles Meacham, I've worked with several times before who plays Ernst Ludwig, um, has such a natural act of balancing this very he plays the the only nazi that you see in this show or at least the only like named nazi in the show and you don't you know what's so interesting about his performance is he's gone for his character starts off jittery and his his performance starts off very 
like nervous and he's not sure how the rest of the world feels about him. And then once he gets the strength by the end of the first act to go, oh, other people think this way, he just becomes this menacing force. Um, Alana Trigg as Fraulein Kost makes lines so much funnier than I anticipated them being. Um, she just has an act for comedy. And then all of the Kit Kat dancers, they're people that you probably wouldn't look at and go, those are dancers and those are people that we want to cast in shows. But you look at them and they, they, have, they sing beautifully, they dance beautifully, they act beautifully. They've come together as this force on their own to create this incredible story of resilience and, and family with each other. And the MC essentially acts as a mother to all of them. But as the show goes on, you watch them each deplete one by one, and it gets sad because you attach the, yourselves uh -huh. to them. So that's the cast. Sure. Well, thank, thanks so much for telling us all about it. The, yeah. show, the show is Cabaret, the Cabaret. musical. It, uh, performances continue tonight uh, at 7.30 p.m. at the Arts Asylum, uh, 824 East Meyer Boulevard. Then more performances after that for, yeah. uh, for the weekend, Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday night. You can go online to the artsasylum.org that's the best place to uh, inquire about tickets yep. sex yep okay yeah and it'll run uh, uh, at least through this saturday any performances uh, after that nope. that you have scheduled this nope. is it yep this yeah. is it yeah. once once the door is closed to the kit kat club they're closed <laughs> Can't get in or out in can't, some cases. Right, can't get in or out. <laughs> or, it's not, or it's not safe to come out. I right, guess. it's also not safe to come in. What are you thinking about? <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, it, it depends on how you look at it, I suppose. That's very true. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> Thanks so much for uh, for coming. Zach Faust. Always a pleasure uh, to be here. Of the, uh, with the Arts Asylum, living now in New York. That is true, yeah. And uh, comes back here to direct some shows. And, Every once and, in a while. But you do things in New York as well. I do, yeah. I work as a writer in New York. Okay. So I'm a freelance writer out there um, working on a couple of relatively large projects, which I'm excited to share eventually as they come sure isn't that a different environment than here it's wild i was on my way here i was just yelling in my car because of how bad people don't know how to drive and i don't have to drive in new york you know i just can walk everywhere uh -huh. i can take the subway you know you can get mad at the subway for you know xyz but like here people don't know how to drive <laughs> and i get really angry with that yeah you know, I, I keep you know i i I've been talking relatively about my anger a lot on this show. I'm, uh -huh. I'm pretty chill. Like we're here for you. Sir. Right. Thank you. This is actually my therapy <laughs> session. We're just uh, we're, you're my therapist at this point. No, no, okay. no. Um, no, I, I get angry at drivers. So um, very different, very different than New York. Sure. Well, I wish you the best. Cabaret <laughs> continues tonight, of course, an industry night show, seven thirty. Then Thursday. Friday and Saturday nights, all at 7.30 p.m., all at the Arts Asylum, 824 East Meyer Boulevard. Thanks so much Thank you, for Michael. being with us. We're going to take a short break. Then when we return, I guess, a return to the Christmas shows. There seems <laughs> to be no end to it. When we return, you're listening to the Arts Magazine radio program right here on KKFI. 90.1 FM. Freeze frame! Hi, I'm Russ Simmons with Freeze Frame. KKFI's weekly look at the newest cinematic fair in theaters or streaming. Did we really need a musical prequel to the classic 1971 fantasy Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? No, but I'm still glad we got one. Timothy Chalamet is terrific as the young Wonka in this tuneful and imaginative lark that serves as Willy's origin story. Yes, it's corny and old-fashioned, but it's also visually creative, funny, and occasionally touching. 
It lacks the caustic edge that was the hallmark of author Roald Dahl's original story, but writer-director Paul King, who's best known for the acclaimed Paddington movies, has delivered an entertaining Christmas present suitable for family audiences. It's taken 23 years, but the folks at Ardman Studios, home of Wallace and Gromit, have finally delivered a Netflix sequel to their foul 2000 comedy, Chicken Run. Chicken Run Dawn of the Nugget pits a comic group of feathered friends against a high-tech outfit bent on turning them into fast food entrees. The stop-motion animation and art direction are excellent. It's all very silly and lacks the wit of some of Ardman's other movies, but it's adequate fast food entertainment for the kids. Mark Wahlberg and Michelle Monaghan lead the cast in the Apple TV Plus action comedy, The Family Plan. Mark Tune in every third Thursday of the month at 7 p.m. for the People Power Hour, brought to you by KC Tenants. Every episode will address different aspects of the tenant struggle in America's problematic history with housing by providing in-depth historical analysis, testimonials, and stories from leaders who organize in their communities and who envision a better world where housing is treated as a human right. So please tune well, in every third Thursday of the month at 7 p.m. for the People Power Hour, brought to you by KC Tenants. Did you hear something on KKFI that stopped you in your tracks or gave you one of those driveway moments? Well, you can listen again on the KKFI archive. Simply navigate your web browser to archive.kkfi.org and find every show from the past two weeks. Lots of great programming here on KKFI. Lots, lots coming up, too. Changes coming up after the first of the year. You'll want to keep in track with that. Uh, some of us are changing days. My show is changing days. It'll go from Monday to Tuesday. But more on that as you go along here on the Arts Magazine Show. Welcome back to the Arts Magazine Show, by the way, right here on KKFI 90.1 FM, your community radio station right here in Kansas City. I am Michael Hogue, your host. Jeannie Beachwood is with us now. Jeannie, uh, Howdy. she is, uh, she is, uh, has been with Martin City Melodrama for now, is it 39 years? It 39 years. How can that be? Well, we both get older. So Man. I tell you. <laughs> No one told me it would be this hard. Well, my 93-year-old mother, who's still with me, uh, told me it would just get harder. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, 93. That's uh, that. That probably means that you'll be uh, doing shows up until that time, probably. I, I told my uh, <laughs> my co-actor Frank Spriggs the other night. It's like I'm never retiring. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, speaking of Frank Spriggs, why don't I just bring him up here? Can you hear me now, Frank? Frank, can you hear me now? I put him on. Okay. Yeah. He might have hung up and called back. We uh, will We will let you do that, Frank. Call back in a couple yes, of minutes Yes, call back, here. Frank. Call back in a couple of minutes here, and we'll see what the deal is. Now, I'm, I'm hoping now that that is Frank Spriggs. But while we're doing that, yes, talk sir. about the show you have coming up at Martin City Melodrama, The Christmas Canine. Christmas Canine. We're running through January 1st. Well, the concept is that all the human actors have dropped out of the regular version of A Christmas Carol except for Frank <laughs> and I. So our only way to salvage the show is to bring in the theater's rescue dogs. And they play Bob Cratchit and Mrs. Cratchit and the Cratchit children and Tiny Tim, the gentleman caller. 
so <laughs> as well as I do grab a couple people out of the audience. Sure. Now, Frank, are you on now? Okay, Frank, I don't know. Give it 30 seconds, Frank, then call back, and Jeannie and I will pick you up then. Okay. I can talk about what a great guy Frank is. Frank, <laughs> Why don't you do that while Frank's calling in? Let's do that. So I first <laughs> met Frank as a customer last holiday show, came with his lovely young son and his wife. They came to see the show, and I had announced that I was having auditions for The Wizard of Paws in, at the Inglewood Arts, which we did last April. Uh, Frank came out to audition, and he was great, and he was cast as the lion. And then as we proceeded to get closer to auditions for the Christmas show, I twisted his arm, and here he is. But he is just such a professional. Okay, are you there now, Frank? Oh, Frank, I can I hear you, Frank? I can hear Frank on the phone, but I can't hear Frank on the air. Are you on the phone, Frank? Is he on the phone? No. Uh, well, well, we'll continue. We'll get him on here. We're, we're going to do it. We're the Christmas it. canine, it's kind of an homage to the holiday season with old dogs, new tricks. Some, <laughs> some old actors. And uh, the water glasses, of course. Yeah, the water glass symphony, which you've been doing for many, many years now. 39 years. Wow. That's a long time. It is a long time. But it's still very enjoyable, and the audience still likes it. We have not broken one this uh, run, so that's good. Okay, if, if you're texting him, tell him to try again, but stay on the line long enough for me to do the transfer. Okay, but I she's know. been doing it. It's it's the 39th season, Jeannie? It is 39. I'm hoping to make it to 40 or beyond. We'll see. Yeah, you're, you're you're kind of multifaceted when you were actually in Martin City, and that must seem like eons ago for you. You know, when I first moved, I was there 16 years, and it, it, I used to have dreams about the old place. But now, because I've built like five stages in the metro, and I've been my forever home, it it's, seems so distant. Yeah, like definitely Christmas of my Christmas is of my past. Yeah, and you've been doing Christmas shows and shows year-round. Uh, we, we, in past shows, we've talked about the many moves of Jeannie Beachwood, and there have been many of them, but you, you are in a place now. Uh, uh, it's Grandview. Am I remembering that right? I am in Grandview, and it is just a few minutes east of Martin City. It's all accessible for our actors that are uniquely abled, as well as the old producer, sure. as well as the old senior dogs. So that makes it lovely. I had been old enough to cash in my tiny IRA, and it's owner-financed, and I don't have to worry about moving again. And so that's been lovely. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was speaking with Jeannie Beachwood. We're still trying to work on getting uh, Frank uh, Spiggs on the line with us as well, and uh, I need him to call on again, but let it ring for a while, Frank. That'll give me enough time to do the transfer and all of that. But we'll get Frank on. We'll talk about him and what he does in uh, in Jeannie's show. She had a lot of things. I remember, uh, I remember the Water Glass Symphony. I remember the Vaudeville Acts. I remember songs. Yeah. Things like that. And one show I went to, there was actually a, a dinner involved 
Uh, I did have dinner. <laughs> I went into dinners in my 10th year at my original place. And it became more about what is the food than what is the show. I see. And plus, I was washing dishes. Really? And rolling silverware. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but when you're wearing a dog suit costume or whatever costume I might have been in, that makes it a little difficult. At one time, uh, you had the largest costume collection of all the theaters in the area. Would that still be true, Jean? Oh, my goodness. Yes, it's <laughs> still true. And my sweet mama, who just went in the hospital last night. Well, I'm so sorry. St. Luke's. Um, but we've got antibiotics, and we're going to get to come home in two days. My sweet mother has made almost all those costumes. Wow. Who makes costumes better than your own mom? Well, that's an amazing seamstress, right? <laughs> I wish my were around to make costumes. Aww, but, but sure. uh, you know, that, uh, that's, it makes it more of a family-type thing. Well, absolutely. That. And the things she has made, uh, it's not like, oh, she just sews dresses or jackets or slacks. I mean, I have giant noses and giant watermelon slice and a giant hot dog and giant octopus costumes. Yeah. The oh. whole kit and caboodle. And, but, but you had a large collection. Then at one time, and you had to move many times, but at one, but at one time I, you had to get, uh, you had to get, I hate to say get, got rid. That sounds awful. But you had to uh, uh, downsize. Downsize. That's downsize, a much better word. Michael, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. But you're, you're doing things a little differently, or you have been for a while. And I, I find it so interesting. Well, I started a new mission in 2014, and it really, the mission just fell into my lap. I, and I'm very, very grateful for the mission. And that is Lake Mary in Olathe called me and asked if I could work with special needs individuals and teach them comedy. And I lied and said yes. <laughs> and then I worried and fretted about it as I walked into the very first class with about 40 wonderful people. I realized you just teach them like anyone else. Uh -huh. And they love being on the stage and it's given me opportunities to work with many different groups in the Kansas City area. We are going to be working in 2024 with SOAR out of Lenexa, which is a lovely group of special needs, uniquely abled individuals. Now, at the same time in 2014, I had a couple of dogs, rescue dogs, at Metcalf South, where I was for 14 years. And I thought, why not put them on stage too and wear a cute hat? And the audience went crazy for both demographics. So it became about making the invisible visible, and I love that mission. Yeah, well, speaking— it feels like it's purposeful. Sir, you're also involved with uh, its older dogs and adopting the older dogs, some of the dogs that you'll see in the show. Ages 10 to 23. 10 to 23. My 23-year-old is about a month away from being on— maybe a couple months, on the Guinness Book of World Records. There's another chihuahua in front of him, I think. But Abraham came to the theater in 2018 from Wayside Waves as a hospice case. And they asked if I would take Abe. And I said, sure, because we've taken hospice dogs before. Well, that was August of 2018. And now little Abe is still with us. Abe actually plays Bob Cratchit. <laughs> and... Uh, he uh, has no teeth. His little tongue hangs out, his little pink tongue. 
and he's blind, he can't see. But of all the dogs I've rescued at our theater, which has been about 45 since 2014, he is the best house trained. Even though we can't see, he knows how to make it outside. Sure, sure. Now, is Frank on now? I, I, if you can thank hear you. me, I'm on. Oh, thank you. Hallelujah. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for making it. Now, Frank works with you in this show anyway, and you sort of told the story of how you got together with Frank, but briefly tell Frank. He's been busy uh, punching numbers probably, trying to get So, Frank, you were singing your praises, uh, how great a person you are and how funny you are on stage. So uh, Frank got a call from me. Um, October the 12th and said I had a couple people this is true a couple people drop out of the show for a variety of reasons would you be willing to do a two-person show with the rescue dogs and you can play Scrooge and without hesitation he foolishly said sure <laughs> <laughs> foolishly Frank yeah. not not without a little anxiety to be fair um, yeah, I thought that's a that's a lot, but I also knew working with Jeannie was, was, has been um, a lot of fun, even if it is a lot of hard work. Um, and, you know, I think Jeannie and I, when we're on st stage doing this show, we, uh, we both show that we, we do enjoy being on the stage. We do enjoy working with each other and uh, um, certainly having the audience um, laugh and participate and, and be part of the show is, is uh, makes it really fun. These are really energetic shows, aren't they? Uh, aren't they, Frank? Oh, they they well, absolutely yes, are. Yes. I, I jokingly said to uh, um, Jeannie just last night after the show, I said, I tell you, this is my new workout routine, is, is just running the show. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Frank has got quite the workout. And in fact, we wear these big fur poop hats uh, at the end of our vaudeville when we sing the 12 dogs of Christmas. And he said, after the show, he said, Jeannie, I have just got to take this hat off. I'm sweating to death. <laughs> Speaking with Jeannie Beachwood and Frank Spiggs, they are part of the Martin City Melodrama production of The Christmas Canine, a kind of an homage to the holiday season with old dogs, new tricks, water glass symphony. I want to get to adopting the senior dogs Jeannie also has uh, a, a part of her group, maybe a spinoff, maybe she'll explain, Top Bananas and sure. Martin City Jr. Sure. So, so yeah. Now? Yeah, why oh, not? okay, sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was so... It's my first radio interview, Michael, so I don't know what I'm doing. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> so, Top Bananas was the program I was talking about earlier that started in 2014, uh, with working with special needs or uniquely abled individuals. And uh, it's just been such a joy for our theater. And they're, they're so grateful for the opportunity. And I'm so grateful to be able to provide that through Martin City Melodrama, as well as uniquely abled actors normally don't say, what's my motivation to be a silly tree? <laughs> they just do it. <laughs> Martin City Jr. is our theater specifically for children where we travel around to schools and quite honestly, senior homes doing productions. And we've got quite an adventurous touring situation in the spring of 2024 doing Jim the Wonder Dog and the Silver Snout Cabaret. And so we're doing that. 
in the spring. Sure. Now, Martin City Melodrama, the present location is 702 Blue Ridge Extension, Grandview, Missouri, and the zip code 640. 30. You have shows remaining. The Of the remaining shows you have, I will, uh, I will read them here. It is Friday the 22nd, which is coming up. Uh, Correct. This it's 7.30. And then yeah. we have Saturday the 23rd, 3.30 and 7.30. Yeah. And then the following week we have the 26th at 7.30, the 27th at 7.30. And then I've forgotten the rest of them, Michael. The Friday the 29th <laughs> at 7.30, Saturday the 30th at 7.30. Monday, and that would be January 1st, <laughs> 3.30 p.m. Now, I have to, I do have to apologize to Frank on the air because Friday night when we were doing the show, we had Bob Cratchit number one, who wasn't Abe. Abe was originally Peter Cratchit. It was Frankie, a senior Yorkie from KC Pet Project. Frankie starts barking his full head off behind the theater curtain. So, Frank, what happened then? <laughs> Right, yeah, at that, at that point, you know, we knew we couldn't have a barking, whining dog up on stage behind, uh, behind the drop or not. So we needed to uh, um, replace uh, Frankie. So Jeannie comes up, pulls him out in front of the curtain, hoping maybe seeing people helps. Nothing. She runs off stage, <laughs> brings back a, uh, um, um, another dog, an understudy. who uh, Oakley, a chihuahua, to- also from KC Pet Project. He seems to have learned the wrong lessons fr- during his understudy because he then started to whine and bark on adding, stage. Adding his like own Frankie. dialogue. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so at that point, Jeannie takes another dog off and um, um, disappears trying to find another dog for a while. So uh, it Did, was uh, ditching it was Frank on stage. Of the air. <laughs> yeah. Ditching Frank on stage as he's sitting in this huge Ebenezer Scrooge bed. See you, Frank. I'm just going to go down the hall and try any dog that'll work for Bob Cratchit. Well, there's lots of uh, Scrooge lines in the show. Did you make use of all those uh, all those classic Scrooge lines? Bah um, humbug. Yeah, and- probably the most fun thing was, um, you know, during the uh, during the show, I uh, I'm sleeping, I'm snoring, and uh, you know, I'm snoring kind of the uh, the type snoring um you know and that, that usually pulls a, a good laugh or two so i just uh, i directed the whole audience to snore with me for a little while sure. <laughs> and they did yeah sure well, you know the touching thing about scrooge and i always tear up's not the right word but uh, i always get very touched at the scene where he sees his own inevitability uh, he has a vision of himself once he's passed away not too many people get a chance to do something like that. No, to reform like that, no. Mm -hmm. Well, our Scrooge is visited by three Carols, Carol Brady, Carol King, and Carol Burnett. (laughs) And finally, Frank, as the actor, is sick of the Carols, so he decides, as Scrooge, he's going to become a reformed man. Yes, just just to be done with the Carols. (laughs) (laughs) What made you want to take on this big of a role of Ebenezer Scrooge? Um, I'm not sure if uh, Jeannie had mentioned we had done a show um, earlier in the year uh, called Wizard of Paws. Um, I played the Cowardly Lion in that show. You and great. I had not I had not been on stage for many years, um, and honestly, I forgot how much I enjoyed it. Um, 
yeah, it's a lot of work. Yeah, there's a lot of work off the stage as well as on the stage. Um, but I thought this is that Jeannie enjoyed me. I enjoyed working with Jeannie. I said, let's do it again. Let's uh, let's try it out. Um, and she gave me a Scrooge, and I went through the script. I'm like, whew, this is a this is a lot. Um, but you know, it's it's as with any process, it's it's take it bit by bit, um, learn the parts. And uh, Jeannie's been great with being supportive with uh with um helping me with my what's my motivation type questions um <laughs> as, as we've uh, we've gone through the show and we've talked about different parts and say you know does this does this make sense to you what what do you think about this um so you know together we were able to hone the show into a show that is uniquely Jeannie and I show this sure. time around which sure. is lovely I do have to brag on Frank again because so John Copeland our musical director for many years wrote the water glasses for us this year, and it is about five minutes long. And so John gave me the hardest part because he thought, you know, I could handle it, and he gave Frank the easier part. Well, Michael, the first rehearsal, we switched because (laughs) Frank is so much better at the water glasses than the old lady now, and Frank is marvelous on the water glasses, and he'd never played them before. Yeah, well, can can I give you just a brief hint on motivation, Frank? (laughs) <laughs> sure. Read read the books of George Burns. I don't remember which of the three books it was in, but he talks about uh, the motivation for acting. He said, uh, to be a good actor, you know, you knock on the door, somebody says, come in. If you come in, that's good acting. <laughs> if you keep standing out in the hall, that's bad acting. Okay, then. <laughs> and there are various variations that's on hilarious. that. But they were on, they were down the same road there. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. <laughs> Any children in the show? Just, just the dogs and uh, well, Frank and you? Well, Frank's son, Ben, who just turned 10, was in the show. Ah. Uh, we need to pull a Fred out of the audience. I'm sorry. If you're coming to the show and don't want to be Fred, let me know. But he came up on stage and read the part of Fred, had a top hat and a scarf, and he was great, right, Frank? Yeah, he didn't take the top hat off the top hat off the entire show. He just said, I like this top hat, I'm wearing it. <laughs> yeah, everybody loves the costumes. Yeah. I was impressed Jeannie got it back, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, if, if you weren't able to understand us as you were trying to call in. Jeannie's mother uh, makes a lot of the costumes. Yeah, she's made so many of the costumes. And uh, Frank was so nice last night after the show. I heard my mama went to St. Luke's and he was, you know, very empathetic. And uh, because I needed to, Michael, get him your phone number still. And uh, anyway, Frank, she'll be home in about two days and she's on antibiotics. So I'm very grateful for that. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, let's let's talk for a moment. We only have a few minutes left, unfortunately. But adopting these dogs, people okay. see these dogs in the show. What can they do if one of those dogs touches their heart? They would like. Well, they can't do. They can't touch their heart with any of the theater dogs. But what they can do is they can ask me about different rescues in the metro area that we've worked with, and that would be Melissa Second Chances. Midwest Animal Rescue, KC Pet Project, Wayside Waves, Unleashed, the Buck Foundation in Emporia, Kansas. If I didn't say Gladstone, if I'm repeating that. But they're all wonderful rescues, and there's always senior dogs looking for homes. Seniors are the best because, again, they're so grateful, and they sleep 
all the time. <laughs> People will say, oh, it's so much work, and it just really isn't. I would rather clean up a dog mess, pick up a dog mess, than pick up dog ashes every single time. Well, of course. Yeah. yeah. And adopting the older ones, that's probably much more difficult. Everyone wants the cute little dog. But and see, I don't. I want the older ones. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How, who do who do they is there a main contact number or website you mentioned several places but let's make it as easy for them as we can how do they inquire about this you mean to get uh, information on any of those on any of those yeah. um well they could contact me at the melodrama and i'm happy happy to give personal references should i give the the phone number or the website uh, or? the number you have also for the theater's number is at the same yeah one? okay nine nine one three six four two seven five seven six if you would like to inquire more about that uh, and on, on your website you used to have pictures of uh, pictures of dogs along oh there's with the so show big pictures. there's so much dog stuff it's in, yeah <laughs> i have a my newest sign at the theater says i just want to be a stay-at-home dog mom <laughs> true very true indeed. Some, sometimes people, they acquire, they, they'll get up to the limit as far as the number of dogs uh, and cats. It's right. In independence, at least it's four. And it right. can be any, like one cat, three dogs, or three cats, one dog. Sure. As long as the, the total is not four. Right. So. Well, and my brother helps me so that we're legal eagle. And I do have two feral cats. Frank is a cat lover. I do have two feral cats outside the theater Goldie, she's an all-black cat with gold eyes and tater tot, and uh, I've been feeding them for about a year. <laughs> so come, you know, and enjoy the show, the Christmas Canine. Right. You can kind of guess where that's going, I guess. Scrooge, <laughs> Scrooge, uh, of course, is the main character, but gets none of the attention, probably. Uh, right, uh, Frank? Well, well, he, he's he, Frank is uh, as Scrooge has turned older. His body hurts, so actually. Jacob Marley is a dog and becomes uh -huh. Scrooge's service and companion dog. That's right. Anything else you'd like to add here, Frank? You probably don't get much of a word in edgewise otherwise. Oh. <laughs> well, on stage, I get plenty of words in edgewise. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think, you know, we, we've talked a lot about the melodrama, but I think uh, another thing that's a big, Whole and and really fun and and I see the audience really uh, um, enjoying is the Baldillion act that we do after the melodrama. So oh, after sure. yeah. the Christmas Carol, um, we do do uh, more of a um, traditional fun vaudeville um, show that that is definitely gets gets a lot of laughs. Oh, uh, obviously, laugh everybody of loves vaudeville. You know, uh, doctor, doctor, it hurts when I do this. So we'll stop doing don't that. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do well, it. it, it's the original surf channeling. Surf, you know, because surf. it changes so quick. So if you don't like a thing in the vaudeville. Boom, boom, it, bada bing, bada boom, it's over, and then there's the next number. So we're, we're, uh, my absolute favorite was uh, a kid last night, knew the end of one of the jokes and actually said it before I could get it out. Ah. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, we're, we're just running out of time. I have to move this along. Yes. Thanks so much, Frank. Thank you. Frank Spiggs for being with us. He plays the role of Ebenezer Crew, uh, Scrooge and Jeannie Beachwood, who uh, – this does a number of things here with Martin City Melodrama. Again, it's located at 702 Blue Ridge Extension, Grandview, Missouri. And you can go online to martincitymelodrama.org. And the phone number to call if you want to inquire, 913-642-7566.
seven six. Thanks so much for being thank with us. Thank you very much. Once Michael. again, sorry thank Frank. We, thank sorry Frank. We didn't uh, we didn't have you on uh, on longer here. We we that apologize for that. Thank, it happened. Thank you so much. The 39th season of Martin City Melodrama continues this Friday night, the 22nd. Thank you. Thanks so much for being with us. The Jazz uh, Canadian is next. We're going to talk about, uh, well, he's, what well, we're not going to talk about it. He's going to play some great jazz. We'll have jazz from 1 to 3, then the blues from 3 to 6, right here on your community radio station, 90.1 FM KKFI, Kansas City's community radio. So until next, we meet, ladies and gentlemen, at that cross in the road.